Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Good morning, everybody, or at least it's morning where I am. I'm not sure what time it is when you're listening and watching us, but you're in for a real treat today. You're going to really enjoy my new friend, Jamie Englehart. I've just found out about him recently, but he's been on this journey that we've been on a lot longer than me, and he's a lot younger than me. So uh, how does that work? I don't know, but uh, good morning, Jamie, and welcome. Good morning, Paul. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. And you live in the Louisville area, right? I do. Yeah. New Albany, Indiana, just uh, 11 minutes from downtown Louisville, just on the Indiana side of the river. Well, can you see the giant bat at the Louisville Slugger place from your house? I I can't. I can't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm envious that you're so close by. Well, we're going to get more into uh, Jamie and his ministry and a great book that he's written in a little bit. But I always like to start out our conversations by asking our guest, how has your growing understanding of God's unconditional love and grace for all people. How's that affected you where the rubber hits the road and your relationship with family, friends, neighbors, all of those things? It changed everything. You know, a little bit of my testimony. I grew up classical Pentecostal, charismatic, very legalistic. You know, we didn't drink, we didn't smoke, we didn't chew, we didn't hang out with those that do, you know, that whole mindset. And I tell people all the time that, first of all, my baptism in the Holy Spirit was powerful. I was five years old, had an incredible encounter with God, but my baptism into the grace of God was to me a whole nother level because I was a very, my first probably eight years preaching, I was an angry preacher. You know, I have a a friend that says all the time, you know, we don't just read the Bible, the Bible reads us. If we're an angry, wrathful preacher, person, then we see all those angry, wrathful verses. If we're a loving, kind, and compassionate person, those verses are the ones that jump off the page at us because it's actually who we are. And I I was a great law preacher, a great Turner burn preacher. You know, I mean, that's all I knew. And then when I had uh, an encounter with the grace of God, it shifted me. This was now close to 25 years ago, but then 10 years ago, I was doing a series. I had started a church in Michigan, inner city of Saginaw, Michigan, one of the most dangerous cities in America. And I was doing a series on love. And it dawned on me eight weeks in that I had been preaching all these years. And Paul said, we're to be rooted and grounded in love. The foundation of Christianity and the gospel was the one thing I realized I didn't really know much about. And I realized that if perfect love removes all fear, the opposite is also true and fear removes love. So because I was raised in a message of fear, I had really a hard time receiving love. I had a hard time giving love. And I got to the end of that series and I was flying to California uh, to preach for a friend of mine out in LA area. And someone had messaged me on Facebook and said, have you read Tulian Shavidjian's new book, One Way Love? Tulian is Billy Graham's grandson. And I said, no, but it has love in it. So, you know, I'm on this series of love. So I quickly 
put it into my Kindle. I started to read it at O'Hare Airport in Chicago. And I knew I was in trouble because I had this cry that came on me that I couldn't stop. I get on the airplane, uh, three and a half, four hours. I read it. And the only way I know how to explain to people is it was like liquid love poured over me for two weeks. I mean, it was literally, I got off the plane, my friend picked me up and he's like, you know, he's in the inner city, Hispanic guy's like, dude, you know, he's like, what's going on with you? I said, man, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I couldn't stop crying. Four days later, I'm getting on the plane to LAX to fly back to Chicago, then back to Michigan, where we were living at the time. And someone messaged me in the airport, said, have you seen Danny Silk's new book, Loving Our Kids on Purpose? And I'm like, no, but it's got love in it. So I download that. Well, then I cry all the way back to Chicago because Danny brings out in the book that our number one job as parents wasn't to just teach our kids how to behave, but how to love. And I'd realized that I never really knew how to do that when it came to agape. A one, I love, uh, Tulian calls it a one-way love that expects nothing in return. Because most of the love in our life is conditional two-way. I love you when you love me. Even a lot of times our parents, we know our parents love us, but it seems like they loved us more when we got all A's or we cleaned our room. You know, it was still behavior a lot of times. And so on the plane, God spoke to me because my son and I, and main thing Danny talked about is keeping a heart connection with our, with our family. And I hadn't lost it with my daughter or, or my wife, but with my son, I definitely had. Oh, really? I, yeah, I got back and I didn't know how to explain it. I didn't know what it was. And, you know, and he was still a good kid, but we just weren't connected the way we were. And so I landed in Chicago. I called my wife. I said, make sure that the kids are home tonight. I need to talk to you all. My wife picked me up and I'm still a wreck. And she's like, my gosh, what happened? What's going on? And I'm trying to explain it to her. And I get home and I sit my family down and I said to them, I said, I need you to, first of all, forgive me for being a donkey a lot of years. Of course, I King James did. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, and then, you know, just got before him. And I said to my son, I said, son, this is what God's doing in me. I said, on the airplane, I read this book and I explained it to him. And then I said, you know, when you were seven, I said this because the Holy Spirit kind of brought to my remembrance a few things. And then when you were 10, I did this. And when you were 12, I tried to make you like me and I didn't celebrate you being you. And I said, you know, I need to ask your forgiveness for that. And we just, we start just sitting there talking all of a sudden he just broke down and started crying and God reconnected our hearts. I mean, it literally 10 years ago, I understood grace. I understood the kingdom. You know, I understood all of that, but man, it was like having that encounter with the love of God. And I explained it to people like this. How we view God is how we view ourselves and then how we treat other people. So if my view of God is he's still Zeus, you know, he's this angry God, then I view myself in that same type of way. Uh, because according to Second Corinthians 3, we behold him as in a mirror. So whatever mirror we see him in reflects on how we see ourselves and then how we treat other people. You know, I mean, you have men through history like John Calvin, you know, who is he had a theology that, you know, you know, people were born to burn, you know, God put people on the planet. They were either born for heaven or born to burn. And so John Calvin has a nemesis. He has a preacher from France by the name of Jacob Servinus, who writes him a letter and says, you know, pretty much, I think this theology is a load of crap. You know, he's like, he's like this is horrible. And so, uh, of course, John Calvin gets angry about that. Well, 10 years later, 
Servinus ends up in Geneva, Switzerland, where John Calvin was. Calvin hears about it. He grabs a couple preacher buddies. They go find this other pastor who's a Christian, by the way, yank him out of the house he's in, take him to the city square, tie him to a pole and set him on fire as a heretic. And I'm like, my gosh, but John Calvin's God was that way. And, you know, his God is going to do this to all these people that he predetermined to burn. So, hey, if my God's this way, then guess what? I can be this way. And what I found is when I got a real revelation of the love of God, it changed everything. I mean, I had no excuse to be a jerk to anybody anymore. You know, I mean, I was a full-blown A personality out of control. You know, I mean, I always tell people my number one love language is acts of service. So the law and me were really good friends, you know, and I mean, my mantra in the 90s, my song, you know, my mantra was from the Ramus singers down in Tulsa. And the song was, you better get in, get out or get run over. And I mean, that was my mindset was get in with what I'm doing, get out of my way, or I'm going to run you over in the name of Jesus. Because obviously, <laughs> that's obviously what Jesus would do. But I mean, yeah. it shifted my whole mindset from being a person of, do I want to be right or do I want to be in relationship? It shifted my marriage. It shifted my parenting. I mean, you know, I look back now and, uh, you know, my kids have had inner healing sessions over stuff and, and they always tell me about them. And I said, I know it was probably all my fault. They're like, yeah, you know, <laughs> most of my session was, was about, you know, things you did that and I had to forgive you of and things like that. The difference is I admit it to people all over the country. You know, I'm like, man, I, this is who I was. But when I had that encounter, that's why whenever I get around preachers that still have that angry. Like when I, when I put something up on Facebook about God is love and that person jumps on and says, yeah, but he's also just, and he's also holy. You know, they're always wanting to put that out there. I always know they, they haven't had that encounter yet because once you've had that encounter, you see every human as valuable. You see every human as God's offspring that you see every human. He's the father of us all who's above all and through all and in all. All of a sudden, all those verses came popping out of the Bible at me that I'd read over for years. And I began to realize that, man, God is love. You know, First John is the only book in the scriptures that gives us nouns about who God is. You know, he says God is light in John 1. God is life and God is love. And Every other description of God are adjectives. You know, so when someone says, when I say God is love and someone says, yeah, but he's also just. And I'm like, that's true. He is just. But just is an adjective. An adjective is a description of the noun. So his justice is based on his light, his life, and his love. But God is righteous. Yes, he is. But his righteousness is based on his light, his life, and his love. But God, God is holy. Of course he is. But his holiness is based on his light, his life, and his love. So everything that we say about God, our adjectives are there to describe his love above everything else. And if that's not the foundation, then fear is going to be. And if fear is the foundation and, and fear and love have been at war for thousands of years, you know, the opposite of fear is not hate. The op opposite of fear is love and vice versa. And so for me, it was a complete game changer. I mean, we're talking almost night and day type person. Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too. And uh, we were talking before we started, Jamie, about some friends of yours who have groups, uh, one in Peculiar, Missouri, and one in Pittsburgh, Kansas, and another in Smith Center. When I started getting this message some 12, 13 years ago, 
I thought I was the only one in the country. I was so naive, but I didn't know anybody else. I'd never heard of anybody else. I, I got this book in the mail with no return address, just addressed to the church. And I was in between books. So I started reading. It was called The Rest of the Gospel by Dan Stone. And the other guy's name I, escapes me now. I've read it. Yeah. There's a chapter in it on grace. And that was the first time I ever started seeing grace. And so then that led me to Steve McVeigh and Baxter Kruger and Paul Young and different people. And um, after I just would read that first book and found out that Dan Stone had died, I just was so naive. I thought, I'm the only one. I Gosh, I wish there was somebody else. And then I found out about Steve. Well, that, of course, was before the Internet. And now there's this amazing awakening, as you're well aware of, going on all around the world of people – I didn't know of until today that are here in my home state. It's such an exciting time to be alive and to see people come alive to the truth that God is love and God is pure light with no darkness. Nope, <laughs> no at darkness. All. At and, all. And his love never fails. It never ends. And it's for everybody. Oh, gosh, what a better way to live. What a better life. What a better way to see yourself. What a better way to see everybody else. And what good news. I mean, yeah. most of my life growing up, most of the message I heard wasn't that good of news. I mean, they preach about every once in a while, God is love. But then it was followed with six months of if and but why yeah. had to do this, had to do that. And I mean, the amazing good news is that you're a son who just don't know you're a son. You know, you, yeah. you just need someone to awaken you to the fact that that's why all creation is groaning for the awakening. Yeah. Sons of God. It's it's for the sons to wake up to their sonship. And they are. You know, I'm not the brightest bulb in the chandelier, but I've got a little bit of common sense. But how I ever bought into the lie that, well, God is love and, and God loves you. And the good news is if you do the right things, you can keep him from torturing you forever. Right. <laughs> I didn't question that. I didn't question it until one day God opened my eyes and I thought, whoa, uh, <laughs> they, can't, they can't both be true, can they? <laughs> one thing that started for me is when my daughter was nine years old, I was preaching a conference in Indianapolis, Indiana. And the man who preached the night before me was an old fashioned hellfire and brimstone preacher. And my kids had heard me talk about it but they'd actually never heard it. And so we get done with the service. We go back up to our room and my daughter climbs up on my lap and she says to me, she said, daddy, that man that spoke tonight has problems. And I was like, well, what do you mean, sissy? She says, he believes that our Jesus that tells us to not render evil for evil, our Jesus that tells us to love our enemies is going to torture all of his forever. Daddy, wouldn't that make Jesus a liar or a hypocrite? And I'm going to be honest. She was seven years old? She was nine. Nine. And wow. at that time, I'd never even thought of that. I mean, that thought had never even crossed my mind. And really? It started, yeah, it really started me on a journey of what am I going to believe about all that? I, I don't know if you've ever seen, there's a meme on Facebook quite often, and it's Jesus knocking at a door, and he's knocking on the door, and he says, let me in. And the person on the other side says, Why? And he says, so I can save you. And they say, from what? And he says, from what I'm going to do to you if you don't let me in? <laughs> I've <laughs> I mean, seen it. Uh, and, you know, it's like you <laughs> laugh and you go, oh, my gosh. You know, that's how I used to preach the gospel. I mean, how messed up is that? <laughs> wow, that's so wonderful that your nine-year-old daughter saw that. 
our 15-year-old grandson lives with us, and he's on the autism spectrum, and he sometimes sees things differently than we are. But uh, And we're not meeting in person right now. We're doing it online primarily because we got so many more people joining us online with Zoom from around the world, really, that I've got to figure out a way to uh, include them when we do meet in person. But when we were meeting in person, he would sit there and uh, for all intents and purposes, he wasn't paying any attention at all. And, you know, he was he was seven or eight years old at the time and we got home and uh, he said to his mom, our daughter, he said, he calls me Boo. He said, Boo was talking about an angry God. And I was comparing, you know, what we used to think. And, and he said, God's not angry. You know, what, what was he talking about? Well, that was a great teachable moment, but I mean, kids pick up stuff that, <laughs> that that we don't see. And sometimes it's going back to how we saw God when we were a little kid Yeah, that actually causes us to truly begin to inherit what God yeah. has, yeah. you know, and, and he's good and he's always been good. We just didn't know it. No, we didn't. We forgot who we've always been. We forgot who he is. Before we finish in a minute, I want to tell our viewers and listeners, we're going to end this recording in a couple of minutes, and then we're going to do another one that you will hear a week later. Uh, If you watch it a week later, we're going to be wearing the same clothes, but it's not because we've worn them all week long. Uh, It's just because we're recording it uh, now. And and the reason I try to keep the somewhere under 25 minutes is I've been taught that most people listen to podcasts on their commute, on their way to work, and the average commute's 25 minutes. Now, here in Lawrence, Kansas, well, there are some people here who work in Kansas City and their commute's longer. But for most of us, our commute's a lot less than that. But we're a little peculiar here in Lawrence, Kansas for a lot of reasons. But I, I try to keep it to that. So before we finish this session, Jamie, tell people where they can connect with you, where they can see where you're going to be speaking and all of those kinds of things. Facebook is one of the best ways. Of course, my friends list is full, but they can either follow my personal page. And I also have under my same name, a public figure page. And I put all of the same stuff on there. Then my website is www.connectinternationalministries.com or him, H-I-M, connect.net. It'll take you both to the same site. I've got piles of stuff on there. Uh, I've got uh, my book on there. I'm getting ready right now by hopefully the end of this month. I'll have uh, four e-courses out. I did six-hour e-courses, professionally videoed, edited on how to understand the Bible, how to properly interpret it. We did one on eschatology. We did one on hell. I did six hours on the history of hell and where all that comes from. Because it's to me, it's the number one elephant in the room I get asked about more than anything else. When you talk about the love of God, people always say, yeah, but what about this? And so we really went into that. And then I did uh, six hours on the gospel, that the gospel is bigger than just I get out of hell and get into heaven. And the afterlife, it's actually seven dimensional. There's seven things called the gospel in the New Testament, the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ, the gospel of Paul, the gospel of grace, the gospel of peace, the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of the dear son. All of the gospel is a bigger, big news than just death, burial, and resurrection. And so I I was six hours into all of that. My goal is to have about 20 of those up in the next seven years or so. Also, I wrote a book called Myths and Mistranslations, uh, 70 Misconceptions About God and the Bible. And it really was for me, I wrote the book when I was, it came out when I was 51. 
So I forget, I just turned 54. And so uh, for me, it was 50 years of questions and things that always bothered me Uh, from the age of accountability. You know, I mean, the number one myth kind of punches you in the nose that Lucifer is not the devil. You know, I mean, I I hit everything from, uh, you know, the devil and demons have never been in hell. So there's no way all hell has been after you this week. Uh, You know, I mean, just we go into the idea of there's no way I've heard my whole life. God can't look on sin. Well, it's ridiculous because that means Jesus wasn't God because he looked on sin, touched sin, was a friend of sinners. And there's only one verse in the Bible that even comes close to saying that, you know, Habakkuk 1.13, God, you're so holy and you're so righteous. How can you look on evil? So we're like, see, God can't look on sin. But then there's a comma and it goes on to say, so why do you? You know, a text out of context is a con. You know, and we've been conned to believe a lot of stuff through a lot of years. And so uh, that book has been very interesting to a lot of people. To me, I didn't write it to give a bunch of answers. I really wrote it for people to start asking the right questions and to begin to question a lot of stuff that they were taught. And my dad's been a, a pastor for 54 years, and I learned all 70 of those from my dad. And so I dedicated, <laughs> dedicated the book partially, partially to him. But my dad, did the best he could with what he had. He didn't have the internet. He he couldn't look up the stuff that we can look up now. We can push a button and become an expert on church history in a year if you really want yeah. to take time to study it. I mean, my dad, we didn't have the resources. When I was in Bible school in the 80s, we didn't have that resource, hmm. you know? And so it's amazing that we're living in this information age. And the truth is we don't have any excuse to be ignorant anymore. And so those are the main ways to be able to get old. Great. Well, I appreciate that. I'll, I will post that, of course, uh, along with the podcast and a video when it comes out. And uh, on our next interview, which people will see a week uh, later, we'll talk a little bit more about your book and we'll go on from there. So, Jamie Engelhart, thanks so much for being with us today. My honor. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray, with my friend Jamie. If you want to hear more, join us next week. We'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.